I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio welcome to the enlightened perspective this is dr mitchell and kathy gibson and we are happy to be back with you for a we this is our second show we had a blast during the last one and uh here we are back again this week thank you so much for joining us again and this week we're going to try to get a real topic in We decided that we're going to talk about real encounters with ghosts and demons. And last week, we, we wanted to talk about uh, the afterlife and supernatural stuff. So this time, we thought we'd talk a little bit, and then we'd start taking some calls. So that's how we're going to do it. That's probably going to be the format we're going to do for this show. We'll announce the, the topic, and then we'll talk about 15 minutes on the topic, and then we'll allow people to call in and ask us questions. We do this show, we actually do it in two parts. We tape it uh, every Thursday from 7 to 8 Eastern Standard Time. And then there's a presentation of the show on uh, Monday or Tuesdays. Uh, Tuesdays at 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time. So every Tuesday you can turn, turn to Nightwatch Radio and listen to the Enlightened Perspective uh, on Jackalope Radio with Dr. Mitchell and Kathy Gibson. We love doing the show. We love having people join us. And we had what we call a spiritual intensive today. And the intensive is one of the things that we like to do probably the most. So we had a great uh, person be with us, um, master and teacher Samel Bay, and a wonderful lady that was with us from um, Virginia, uh, Cynthia. Thank you so much for being with us. But while we were working today, the whole topic of ghosts came up, which I thought was kind of interesting. It was interesting. What's curious is that many people have had encounters with ghosts, but they don't want to talk about it because they're in fear of people uh, saying that they're crazy. So they kind of keep it to themselves. But it is a natural phenomenon. There's a lot of ghosts that's on the third dimension, and they interact with us. Most of the time you don't notice them, but then there's a, a time that you will have an encounter with one and you can't say that it didn't happen. Now a lot of people don't understand what is the difference between a ghost and a spirit. And so we want to clarify that and then we'll start getting into uh, taking some calls because we see that we're already starting to get some. But we wanted to talk a few minutes about that before we got too much into the call. Whenever a person is born, whenever actually your parents have sex, they actually give birth to three parts of you. First part is called the astral body, 
And the astral body is a part of you that lives in dreams. You don't really see the astral body so much in the physical world. So once in a while, when a person's traveling astrally, people will see them as something that's called a ghost, but it's really not uh, the same in that way. The um, next part of you that is born is called the physical body. And everybody kind of knows what the physical body is. That's your arms and legs and your muscles and joints and sort of... That's your body that you mostly live in. That's who you really are as a person. And then um, the part that is the most mysterious is called your lunar body. That's the part of us that is connected to our higher mind, our higher consciousness. And that part is the psychic part, the more well-developed part of us. And all three of those parts are part of who you are when you are born. But the ghost part of you is most commonly seen as your astral part. Though your lunar body can also be seen as a ghost, the ghost part of you is your astral part. When your physical body dies, your astral body and your lunar body don't die right away. So they can be seen after a person leaves the world as another body or another form, more commonly called a ghost. What do you think most people uh, think spirits are? I think People think spirits are, I think they really associate it with voodoo. The whole idea that a spirit is something that comes up out of the grave or is controlled by a negative person, I think that's what they associate the idea of spirits with. That's what I think. What do you think? Well, I know that many people who come for assistance from us are always talking about these attaching spirits, people who have passed on and didn't go into the light and stayed in the physical plane and have attached themselves to a person, place, or thing. So uh, spirits are people who have passed on, but they don't necessarily go into the light. They don't necessarily go into a uh, heaven-like or hell-like state. A lot of people just stay right here earthbound, and they will attach to things because that's how they get energy to stay into this plane. So we have and have dealt with a lot of attaching spirits, and those spirits can either be helpful or harmful to a person, but they're never good to attach to you. It's never good to have an attaching spirit, whether they want to help you or not. It's just not good for your own soul to have an additional being attached to you. What we would like to uh, ask the callers is that if they have had encounters with any type of attaching spirit or any type of ghost that they want to share with the audience and we'll be happy to take calls on that and discuss that. That would be make for a very fun, exciting show. Well, I think also that people need to understand that a lot of people in the world, more than 10% of the population of the world, has reported having astral body out of the body travel, also has reported seeing and interacting with ghosts. I'm online right now, and I'm just going to look up the latest Gallup poll, because we can do that. We have the internet at home. <laughs> let's see. Look up Gallup poll on ghosts, and let's just see what the latest numbers are on that. Oh, okay. This is a Gallup poll from December 2012, so it's actually fairly recent. Let's just see what comes up on this. This is reported in a website called spiritandghost.com. They're not biased at all. 75% of Americans hold paranormal beliefs. 
75% of Christians and 66% of non-Christians hold paranormal beliefs. Let's see. Three out of four people actually believe in ghosts. Whoa, that's a lot of people. I didn't think that the poll would be that high. It is that high. Whoa. Communicating with the dead, 21%. 42% of Americans believe in possession. In possession? Having a ghost take over your body. I didn't think the number was quite that high. Well, I would think the Catholic Church would be very busy, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> huh. 32% of people believe that ghosts are actual spirits of the dead. 37% believe in hauntings. And this is Gallup poll of over 1,005 Americans conducted in 2005. That's a lot of people. I didn't think the numbers would be quite that high. I did not, but it shows you that people have had a lot of encounters with ghosts. And um, it's easy to put on a, a Gallup poll whether you believe in it or not, but you talking about it to somebody else is, is a totally different experience. Most people will not talk about their experience with the ghost for fear that someone might think that they're crazy or dealing with something that's demonic. Well, get this. This is a Gallup poll from 2011, October 28, 2011. Another poll that shows that 71% of Americans have had a paranormal experience. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. 71%, that's, that's almost three-quarters of the American population have reported a paranormal experience. I wonder what they're calling a paranormal experience. That would be interesting to find out. Huh. 71%. So if you, if you take into account that about 1% of Americans are considered to be psychotic or schizophrenic, and about maybe 10% are depressed, and a combination of those might be, you know, 10, 12%, 71% does not account for all the people that are reporting these experiences. Well, it also says that 34% believe in the existence of ghosts. Whoa. So 71% have had a paranormal experience, and only 34% believe in the existence of ghosts. Hmm. But 56% believe that ghosts are spirits of the dead. Hmm. So it, it shows that Americans are very, very, very paranormally minded people. It also says that 65% of Americans believe that Ouija boards are dangerous. Ouija boards. Hmm. <laughs> well, I will tell you an experience I had with Ouija boards once, which uh, made me never use one again. <laughs> I have never used a Ouija board since this happened. I don't think I've ever even talked about this in public. And I'll change the names to protect the innocents. But when I was younger, I'll say probably about 25, 30 years ago, I was playing around with the Ouija board with a friend of mine, um, a female friend of mine, and the friend and I contacted a spirit that gave, it, that gave a name, said its name was Sam, and I thought, okay, this is maybe some crap. And over an hour or so, the Sam answered some questions, got half of them right, half of them wrong, and I thought to myself, eh, that's a waste of time. So this young, young lady went home, and that night she reported that she woke up and she was, couldn't, help, couldn't stop herself from speaking two or three different languages at the same time. And she heard herself saying 
these words with male voices were coming out of her female body. Scared the entire crap out of her. So since that time, uh, and eventually it stopped and it hasn't started again, but since that time, I've never really let myself uh, use Ouija boards again because I've had a number, I'm a psychiatrist, I've had a number of psychiatric patients, mostly teenagers, mess with them, and a lot of them ended up trying to kill themselves so they could go talk to the spirit on the other side, which I think is crazy, but that's actually what happened. So the Ouija board brings out the spirit, and the spirit can either uh, take over the person or make them have experiences, or they can just kind of freak a person out. Sure they can. And Ouija boards are real. It's not something that you make up. It's something that has been was used initially uh, with a process called a planchette, which is a, a sort of oval-shaped device that we use to contact spirits in the 19, in 18 and 1900. It's something that happened. So we, we've gone about 15 minutes. That's what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So we can go ahead and open the line and go ahead and start taking some calls. Uh, we'll tell our producer if there are people waiting to call in. Let's go ahead and let them through. Um, Again, our call-in number is something that is, uh, we, can, we can give it to you, but most people can't hear us. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> call-in number is 310-928-6665. 310-928-6665. Like they can hear me. <laughs> they can't hear me, but I've been doing radio so long, you never know. But it's a good time to go ahead and do it. So we got a call from 151 area code. Caller, you are on the air. You're going to be taped live, so millions of people are going to hear you. You're on the air with Mitch and Kathy Gibson on the Enlightened Perspective. Thank you for calling. What is your question or comment? Oh, hello, Dr. Mitchell Gibson and Mr. Kathy. How are you today? We're good. How are you? Who, who are you and where are you calling from? This is Alexander. I'm calling from Berkeley, California. Berkeley, California. How are you, Hi, Alexander? Alexander? How's life treating you? I'm doing... <laughs> um, the Creator, my angels, my guides, everyone has been really good. I've been in line, so uh, there's been no complaints. So I've just really been blessed to definitely get some blessings from you two both. Um, they really have helped to get me to the level that I'm at right now. So I just, uh, we want you to put your I'm forehead on the radio and lean real close. We're going to give you a blessing. Oh, okay. Okay, hold on. Tell us when you're ready. I'm ready. Hamana, 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 he. It's been a long time. I am so sorry, but I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> it's okay. I was just, it was a lot of fun, too. You said, like, I'm smiling from ear to ear. That was, and I, and I was like, oh, okay. All right, that's, you know, you they know what they're so doing. <laughs> Hey, there may be more of those, so stay on the air with us. What's your question today? Uh, I'm sorry, Alan. We just abused you. I'm sorry. No, what have fun. I like hearing you guys like this. You guys are just so much joy. <laughs> um, my question today, well, in general, um, could, I, either one of you, um, I have a lot of tools from you guys, so I'm just using them now, but um, I want to get a second medallion, and I have a few choices, but, you know, you guys have quite a few, but do you pick up anyone in general that um, you would recommend me to get next? Which one do you have? I really do want... 
I just have my Archangel Medallion. Um, my Archangel Michael Medallion. Do you have the original Archangel Michael or the Demiurge? The Demiurge. Okay, that is, as of right now, our most powerful medallion. Um, the other one I might suggest is the Archangel Raphael Medallion. That's actually my wife's favorite one, and she's wearing it right now. Yeah, oh, okay. Archangel Raphael medallion has the most beautiful energy uh, that emanates from the medallion into your body and out through your aura. It is uh, the reason I wear it every day is because it makes me feel so calm and peaceful throughout the day. That's a good thing. That is a great thing. And uh, right. it, it can also help with healing, but it's just it puts you in such a wonderful state of mind that the energy just exudes through you. And people can feel that calmness, that calm energy coming out of you because of the medallion. So if there was one additional one I would get, it would be the Archangel Raphael medallion. Just beautiful energy, beautiful green okay. energy. How does the Demiurge medallion feel when you put it on? I'm curious. Um, I've been wearing it for six months now, and I would have to say there's been no problems. Even uh, just people just, it's like it just clears everything out. Um, I definitely say blessings with it all the time, but I really feel a sense of protection, um, and that that's very comforting uh, to have. So I'm just thankful that you guys have been able to create a tool for us down here. So, so no, I, I like I wear it all the time. I even wear it during my workout. It's almost it's rarely off of me. Only time it comes off is when I'm like taking a shower. So I'm gonna um, sh- follow, go ahead. I'm gonna share a secret with you. During today's uh, intensive, I got a really strong vision about an upgrade actually to the Demi Urge medallion, and it's gonna be a little bigger. It's gonna be made out of a much stronger, sturdier metal. And it's going to have a symbol of power from the new book that we're putting out on the back. So it'll make it a medallion that is, when you pray with it, it'll make things manifest faster in your life. And we're going to call it the Demiurge Symbol of Power Medallion. So keep an eye on it. Four to six weeks or so, but that's uh, something new that just came um, into my consciousness today. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be sturdy. And it's also going to be limited. We're only going to print a limited supply of them. And um, it's it's going to be magnificent. I think that might be one uh, that you might like as well. Okay. All okay. right. Well, thank you guys. Thank and you so I'm glad to see that you guys are on a bigger platform. That is amazing. You guys deserve everything you receive. So um, keep it going, and I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, we okay. did get on a bigger platform, didn't we? Thank you so much. Thank you, Alexander. All right. Bye, guys. Thank bye. you. I really like him. He has a good demeanor. I like his humility. I like his ability to talk. Hello? Hello? Can I be heard? You sure can. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, this is Ali. I'm calling from Ohio. From Ohio? Um, yeah. Yeah, I spoke with you probably about nine months ago, about 10, 10, nine, 10 months ago. Okay. Okay. So, what's your question today? How can we help you? We're talking about... Okay, is it a general... Go ahead. Is it, or is it general questions? 
Well, we're talking about encounters with ghosts and the supernatural, but also if you have a general question, you can let us know that too. Okay, appreciate it. I wasn't sure of the topic. Um, the, my question is, um, from your professional experience, obviously, a lot of respect for what you do and appreciate all the work you do. Um, oh, what are the common signs that one has when they know they become either a master or enlightened? Never gotten that question. That's a very good question. What makes you ask that question? For one, I've never heard you speak about it, and um, I'm just just something that's heavy on my heart to know coming from you. Okay, so let me ask you: Have you had any signs? Any people ask you if you're heading toward mastery? Pardon me, I just hard to hear you. Say that once more. I'm sorry. Have you had any indications of people telling you that you are heading toward mastery? Um, uh, <laughs> the higher person is yourself and other people also, yes. Hmm. Mastery is a title that people usually, an energy that people usually recognize inside of you as it develops. It is a recognition that a person has achieved a certain state that is rare in human experience. In our experience, a person that achieves mastery usually has a certain color aura, they have a certain demeanor and energy around them, and there are certain signs of things that happen in their lives that indicate that they have mastered the existence of the, of the, I'm sorry, the physical plane, which is really what people are talking about. They see you as someone that has overcome the major obstacles of life and are living a life that many people want to try to emulate. It's not like you're just a good basketball player, good politician, good uh, business person, good mother, good father, but they see something extra in you that makes them say, I want to live like that. I want to be that person. I want to have a life that is of that level. They also see that you have miraculous events happening around you, um, which can't just be explained away. In addition to that, they see that you're, you're teaching or saying things that are transformative to people when they hear them. They recognize that you're saying things in life or about life that are unusual but also true and helpful. So when you put all those things together, the changes in your aura, the changes that people see around you, the fact that you've gotten your life together and have pretty much, quote-unquote, mastered the physical life as much as a person can. I mean, when you master life, that doesn't mean you don't have problems. It doesn't mean that you don't have situations that come up that are troubling to you. But it means that you get through them and you overcome them in a way that a lot of people might still struggle. Anything you want to add to that? They also sense light around you. There's generally a sense of some type of light that draws people towards you. And it's that light, that energy of the divine that's coming through you that they're attracted to. So if you feel like people are always uh, pointing out at you, uh, just kind of drawn to you for some reason, and you don't know what that reason is, it's generally that energy or that light that's around you that they're drawn to. So with, with that being said, if you are a person who generally are very helpful to most people who you encounter, and they just kind of hang around your energy, it's usually because you have mastered that part of your life, you're starting to move more toward 
your divine being and not so much on your human self. So is that's what they're attracted to. That's what they want to be able to achieve. And they're looking to you as an example to lead them there. Wow. Absolutely profound. I was not um, thinking I was going to get an answer from both of you. I greatly appreciate it. Tremendous. You're welcome. Can you think of any people in your life? I mean, I know you've given us that honor, and I certainly appreciate that. But can you think of any people in your life that you read about or you know that exhibit some of those signs? The, my first teacher, and probably the most profound until I came into your works, was my grandmother. Peace and blessings be upon her. Um, she was the first one that I've seen had a heart and a giving and had spiritual insight that wasn't common around most humans that I've, that I've encountered. That was the first teacher and the most profound effect on my life, period. That's fantastic. But Grandmother. Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. A grandmother like that? Could she cook? Yeah, <laughs> she could cook. <laughs> she could do it all. I mean, she was a beautiful human. And also, I mean, like I said, she just didn't have, like, like, we're in the metaphysics, what they call the New Age. She didn't have the privilege of being, you know, around this time. So she took more of a traditional route. But the thing she told me about seeing spirits and having intuitive thoughts, she shared that with me as a child that left a heavy impression on me. Hmm. You know, we hear more and more about people having grandmothers and grandparents, and unfortunately a lot of them passed on, that could see spirits, talked about spirits. You would think that a lot more of them would have, I don't know, they would have given us more permission and more freedom to talk about that or to be comfortable with that. With all of them having those experiences, it's just really sad that so many of us are still saddled with the fear and the hesitation to come out and be open with that sort of gift. But you were lucky in that you had a grandmother that could share that with you, and it sounds like she exhibited a lot of signs of mastery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. I would. After the definition you gave and what I was picking up intuitively, I would definitely say she was. Uh, but like I said, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like all honors and praise to you also. And I know I've said that, but I have to reiterate it because um, I don't think we show enough appreciation as humans of people that have great influence on our lives. And every opportunity I have to tell you that, I will. So you and the wife, I would definitely appreciate you. Thank you Thank so you. much. We appreciate that. We certainly appreciate that. We had a long, hard day, and to hear that at the end of the day, that just humbles us, and we are really appreciative of those words. Thank you so much. Thank you so oh, you're much. You're welcome. I appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. That was very right, nice. Thank you so much. That was very nice for him to say that. Very nice of him to say that. He didn't have to say that at all. No, he did not. I think the man was going... Make sure I have some ice cream, because he said that. <laughs> Find any excuse. Any excuse, any reason for ice cream you could mad. I'm so sorry, Alexander, that I gave you the hamana hamana blessing. So sorry. But, you know, once in a while, you just have to get that out. You do. Especially after a long day. Especially after a long day. <laughs> the first time I did that was to my mother. You did. I remember it very clearly. My mother... <laughs> she said that, son, are you still practicing voodoo? I said, mom, I don't do voodoo, but I do bless people sometimes, and it'll help you with your arthritis pain. And she said, it will. So <laughs> I made her get down on one knee, and I put my hand on her head, and I get hamana hamana. 
She got so mad. <laughs> Made me get down on my knees for this homicide. What is that? Foolishness. <laughs> it was so fun. But she deserved it. She really did. She was just being, God rest her soul, she was being a butthead that day. She just gave you a hard time that day. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. But she deserved it. It's it's important for people to to understand that the supernatural world is real. And like the last caller said, a lot of times uh, when people have supernatural experiences, we're told not to talk about them. We're told that you are crazy. The person sees a ghost. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. The first time I saw a ghost was in Singapore. I was married to my first wife, and I was headed home. And I, w I got a room. Singapore's airport's funny because it has a hotel right inside the airport. You can walk from your gate and within five minutes be in a hotel room that they rent by the hour. So the room costs like $100 an hour. I'm going I'm to get to your caller number at 2.05. And I, I was asleep maybe an hour. And I woke up three hours. And this ghost was looking me right in the face. It was maybe two feet from my face. I checked out of the room, left the hours in the room, and I just sat in the, uh, the waiting room the rest of the time. So I didn't believe it, but there it was. Yeah. And it took me a long time before I was able to talk about it openly. Carla from the 205 area code, you are on the air with the Enlightened Perspective with Mitch and Kathy Gibson. Welcome, and what is your question and what is your comment? Um, hello, Jackalope Radio staff and Dr. Gibson and Kathy. Um, my question is, huh? That's the um, my, anywhere. Yes. Huh? Say it again. No, I recognize your voice. What's on your mind? Oh. Um. How can I reverse curses or um? Do how can I do reverse work for curses that have been sent to me? Well, curses elsewhere. Especially curses that are attracted to a person. They're attracted to an energy that's inside of you. We've looked at the energy that's inside of you. And there is some energy inside of you that is causing negativity and curses to stick to you like flypaper. So you've got a really, you've had a cleansing. You talked to us about this before. You've got an energy inside of you that is attracting this negativity. It's, it's as though something inside of you that you're holding on to is attracting darkness. If there's somebody in your life, if there's somebody you're working with, or if there's something in your lifestyle that you're doing, we've got to examine and put all those things on the table to figure out why you're holding on or why this energy is holding on to you. Can you think of anything that's going on in your life, any darknesses or practices or anything that might be causing these things to stick to you like this? As far as practices, I'm like fairly kind of new. I've only been doing this the past couple of years, last 10 years. But um, I know the people I work with uh, don't like me, and I know they're into some practices. What kind of practice are they into? You don't have to give well, me names. I don't know. I assume one guy is from Africa, so I'm assuming other kind of psychic people have said he must be into Ifa, which by itself is not bad. And my immediate boss is from New Orleans, so I'm thinking they're into some dark arts. Well, just because they're from Africa and New Orleans doesn't mean they're into dark arts. Is there any particular reason why you think those two people might have it in for you spiritually? Um, cause, um, my dad, well, my dad transitioned and, um, I never told you this, he was like a very prominent, I told you I ran for his seat. He was a very prominent state representative. He went to school for King, introduced 
um, Coretta, Martin, did all this real prominent. He was the first black something in the state of Alabama. And that jealousy within the state has followed me everywhere I went. So he was actually a state representative? Yes. And when he passed, you ran for a seat but weren't successful? Correct. Why is it that people, in your opinion, don't like you? It would have been natural for them to just put you in his seat. Why didn't they? Now, why I didn't win, I don't know. But I've just noticed certain politicians' sons. I ran against some other politicians' sons, and they suffered from from the same jealousy issues. So, now they that's winning, I don't know. So why is it that you're saying people don't like you? Why, do they, why is it that they don't like you or you feel that way? I guess it's not like you said. There's something in me or something in my aura that's causing this. There has to be something that you can think of that would make these two individuals not like you. It has to be something. Because generally, people, if they don't like you, there, there are some people who just don't like you because you are, are breathing. But then there are other people who don't like you because of either the way that you're acting towards them or uh, something that they perceive that you have done. Generally, Demetrius, what happens is that when you encounter individuals that you feel that don't like you, and you have to remember that these people are mirrors to you, you have to look at whatever you're saying that they don't like you, then there's something inside of you that doesn't like them. And you're drawing that energy to yourself. It's best that you examine what it is that you feel that they don't like you. What is it about you that they don't like? And take a really good look at what that is. Because if you continue with this this job, since you don't want to go get another job, then you're going to have to deal with these individuals. And you said they're messing with your finances. So either you leave that job and get a different job, or you're going to have to find a way to stay at that job and, and be able to get along with these individuals. It may not be that there's dark magic involved in this at all. It just may be that there's something that's going on inside of you that makes you feel like these people don't like you. I might give you a piece of advice, and I, I totally agree with everything Kathy just said. There's some hate inside of you. I don't know what's causing it, but there is some hate inside of you. So you, you really got to examine what it is in your life that you hate or what people, what events, uh, what past ac actions, what memories are associated with this deep, sort of reddish-black energy of hate that I'm seeing inside of you. If you can examine yourself, be really honest with yourself, and figure out where this hate is coming from, and then, even more importantly, release it. That hate that you're holding on to, I hear it in your voice, I see it in your aura, it's inside you. And I really want you to take some time to plumb the depths of your soul as, as much as you can and figure out what it is you ha you're hating so much in your life. Because that is attracting the wrong kind of energy to you. Does that make any sense to you, Demetrius? Well, I've been, since you told me this summer, I've been trying to figure out. So honestly, not saying I'm avoiding whatever's going on. I have not been able to figure out what it is, what hate I'm holding on to. Uh, in a reading, you said it was some stuff in the past life I did. What are some of the things uh, in this life that you dislike? What are the things I dislike about this life? Yeah, because we've had this discussion before, so let's get to the bottom of it now. What are some of the things in this life 
that you disliked? Uh, may, perhaps when I was little, I know I was, um, uh, what's the word? I was criticized, like, a lot by my father when I was little. Well, all my life, actually. The man that you ran for assaulted. Yeah. assaulted. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear that last part, but... You were verbally assaulted by your father? Yes. I don't think he didn't know it. He wouldn't know it, but he was very, he was verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. And so, would you say that you actually grew to hate him? No, no, I wouldn't. What else in your life have you disliked? I guess during my divorce, my parents' divorce, uh, she kind of, she put me out of the house. Like, a lot of her resentment towards my dad got put towards me. So, I was mad at that, but I've, you know, gotten over that. So, you said your mom did what? She put you out of the house? Yeah, she done. They got divorced, and then my dad said, "Oh, this is too crazy." He left the house, and so I was in the house. My mom put me out of it, and now I'm. My dad got the house back, and I'm now in that house. But um, it was I was mad at her for a little while. So, how old were you when she put you out of the house? Twenty. I was going to graduate school. I was in between, like undergrad, just graduated undergrad, with his grad school. Okay. Well, that's two things. What else do you dislike in this life? Because you were 20 years old. And how uh, you? <laughs> I was late 30s. Um, late 30s. Okay, you're older than that. <laughs> a pretty woman or less things. Okay, um, I haven't had the greatest dating success in my life. I haven't had a whole lot of successful relationships. I could be mad at that. Mm-hmm. So when you say not a lot of success means you, you're not able to keep a stable relationship? Uh, I tried that in the track one, not track too many. Hmm. So it, it sounds to me like there's uh, a void in your life. You, you feel like there's most people don't like you for some reason. It sounds like your, your father uh, wasn't very happy with you that your mother, because they got divorced, uh, wasn't very happy with you. She put all that onto you. And that any relationship that you get involved in, it doesn't sustain or it's hard to attract the woman to you. Uh, and that's all coming from your feelings from within. You, it, inside of you, you don't feel like people like you. That's, that's the core of it. And I'm wondering, do you like yourself? This is a question. Well, I know the answer is no. I have low self-esteem. My question is, how do I fix this? Well, the first part of it is you have to recognize that it exists. And so okay. if you feel that you don't like yourself, you got to figure out why that is. Is it because of what, how people made you feel about yourself, or is it something that goes deeper than that? Mm-hmm. And once you recognize what that is, then you can fix it. Tell me something. Have you ever had, and I want you to answer it as honestly as you can, have you ever had behavior that you would call self-destructive? No. You have not? You said, why not? No, you said you have never had behavior that you would call self-destructive. No. Never no smoking, no drinking, no crazy driving, nothing? 
drinking, nothing, no smoking. I have asthma. But how regular, much, regular. How much drinking? Wine, beer, mixed drinks. How often? Nothing heavy. How often? It was in college, uh, regular. But um, I guess once or twice a week, if there are less. Hmm. Tell me, have you ever in your life, I know there's somebody there with you, so this might be a hard question, but have you ever in your life tried to hurt yourself? No. I've had suicide thoughts, but I've never went through with it. Well, I think we know where this is coming from. You're cursing yourself. That's the darkness you're dealing with. You're cursing yourself. It's almost like suicide, but it's an intern. You turn the emotion inward, and so you make it hard for you to be in a relationship as successful as you want in life. Make it hard for people to be around you. That's a self curse. You're cursing yourself, and it's one of the hardest kinds of curses to deal with because the darkness is generated internally, like a person lighting a fire in their own home. Okay, how do I remedy this? Well, first of all, I want you to sit and think about it. I really want you to sit and think about, is this something I'm doing? Do I, how do, do I believe this? Is this true? Because if you try to jump immediately to a remedy with this, it's not going to work. So I want you to sit and think about it, and I don't want you to call us back next week after you've had some time to think about it, and we can talk about it again. But I want you to sit with this a while, because I think you're cursing yourself. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for calling in. Glad to meet Bye. Bye. Okay. We have another caller from the 609 area code, calling you on the air with Mitch and Kathy Gibson on the Enlightened Perspective. Thank you for joining the show. And what's your comment or question? Uh, none. Yeah, I'm actually listening in. Okay. What's your name? Uh, my name is Vincent. I'm uh, part of uh, Alpu's uh, Astrology Network. And okay. uh, actually, you know what? I do have a question since you're talking about demons and spirits. There you go. Um, uh, I wanted to know, um, do... It's, it's kind of hard to put this, but when a person... Um, dies, does their spirit continue to communicate with relatives? Because, you know, I've been taught, you know, in the Christian church and just now coming into consciousness and, and better understanding of metaphysical beliefs and everything. Uh, it, as a Christian, I've always been taught that the dead people know nothing and that they're unable to communicate in most of what people experience with talking to dead relatives is just aberrations of the mind. But I want to know if it really happens that you can, can you communicate with dead relatives to get answers about things uh, that you would like to find out about your family or about things that you should do now? And is there a way to do that? I can say that most of the cultures in the world would agree that spirits from ancestors, spirits from people that have passed on, are most definitely active 
in many cases, the afterlife is more active than the physical life, than the physical world. Wow. Yes, we can communicate with those spirits, but what we found is that many times they feel sorry for us being in this world. Once they pass over to the other okay. side, many of the spirits that communicate with us talk about how beautiful it is, how much freer they feel of being free of the physical body, how much they enjoy seeing everybody they knew that had passed on. They feel sorry for us being here. And they talk about how when people are getting ready to be born back into this world, people cry for them, they're sad, they say, you're going back to that place of suffering. This world and the spiritual world and the spirits that live in both are real. Okay. I really believe that. Do you have to do certain rituals to communicate? Because, um, I mean, can, can it be just as common as having a, a conversation like I'm having a conversation with you? Or spirits, does it take certain rituals to, to do spirits that? Often, spirits are often always around us. There are more spirits in the world than there are physical people at any one time. They listen to our every conversation. They watch when you go to the bathroom. They watch you having sex. They love watching you eat. They love watching you drink. They watch what you watch on TV. There are more spirits in the world than there are physical bodies. It okay. is as easy I, I do believe that. As, as it is to say hello to your best friend on the phone. But in order to wow. see them, it is most probably the easiest to see them in a dream. Okay. 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 Wow, right. thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. And say hi to Anpu for me. I will. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. If people really understood that that statement you just made about there being more spirits on this earth than there are people, then I think they'll be having a different conversation. Very much so. Very much so. The, the, the spiritual world is a much more active, vibrant place than the physical world. The physical world is vibrant, but the spirits in the spiritual world, they're all around us all the time. The, the concept that you only see them in graveyards or funerals or places like that, that's total bunk. Spirits are in every house, in every home, in every place that you go. They're walking around outside. When my spiritual vision opened and I started to see them, I saw just as clearly how they are everywhere around me. Mm -hmm. I see we have another call coming in from the 248 area code. Uh, you're on the air with Dr. Mitchell Gibson. How can we help you? Hello? Hello, call up from 248. You're on the air with Mitchell and Captain Gibson with the Enlightened Perspective. Call up from the 248. Yeah, hello? Hello? Hello. You was getting ready to get a Zerbert call from the 248, but you got saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. What's on your mind? Yes, I have, a, I, I have a question. How could you discern false teachers from a genuine teacher? Okay. What is your name How again? could you? Anthony. Anthony. Okay. Where are you calling from? Michigan. From Michigan, okay. And the question is, how can you t discern a genuine teacher from a false teacher? Right. A teacher that's really trying to, you know, really trying to help me. Okay. Well, there are all kinds of... 
there are all types of teachers that are out there. And right. the way that you discern which one is generally there to help you or which one is going to try and take advantage of you is you got to see where they're coming from, where is their light, and if, if they have light. Are they trying to do something that's really going to help you or are they trying to do something that's going to help themselves? I take it you had an encounter with someone that you're questioning whether or not they're a true teacher. I didn't, I didn't kind of, yeah, you kind of faded out. I didn't, I didn't hear, hear you. Um, I'm guessing that you've had an encounter with someone that you're trying to figure out if they're a genuine teacher. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have so many coming at me, and I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to decipher, you know, how could I make a final distinction, distinction between the, the real ones and the, and the false ones. Generally, the ones that are teaching the truth, you will hear that truth, and you will, uh, there will be something inside of you that will connect with that truth. You will just know that that is what is being taught, that that person is genuine, that they know what the real truth is. A person that's trying to pretend to be a teacher will repeat themselves over and over again, not really saying anything. Mm -hmm. They'll also try to force you to believe what they're teaching. Uh, they'll try to push their teaching on you, and they'll make you feel bad if you disagree with them in that way. Also, you have to look at who are trying to get into your pants in a sort of um, with a jaundiced eye. We hear quite a lot about people who've had experience with teacher the teachers that want to trade sex for lessons and uh, want to uh, sleep with them, that sort of thing. A teacher offers that, run, because that's not a genuine teacher. Also, a a teacher or a person that uh, says that they want you to do something that you don't want to do or agree with. I would let that go. I would say that that person is not a genuine teacher. If you're doing something that goes against your grain or goes against things that you believe and you feel like your arm is being twisted, I would run from that teacher. Those are the guidelines oh, okay. that we would give you. Of course, the best guideline is your heart. Go with your heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you're, you're welcome. welcome. Thank you so much for calling in. That we run into that part of it because people have been on the path and they run into different teachers and philosophies and they get confused on who's telling the truth and who isn't because they've been lied to for so long. And the best discernment is to go with your gut feeling. If there's an energy when you walk near a teacher and the energy doesn't feel good, then generally it's not good. There's there's uh, uh, energy that master teachers have that will make a person be attracted to them for that energy, for that knowledge. And if you're following someone who's pretending to be a teacher, then you will normally, your gut will tell you that something's not right here. And this, that young man's question leads to a point that I think has made our show so popular and we're just really happy that Amanda and Todd and the other producers have given us this time to have a voice. A lot of people are looking for guidance and something more than just the everyday mundane living. People want to know more about how to live a better life, how to be better people, how to evolve, 
how to look, how to let consciousness grow beyond the normal boundaries, other than going to college or going to grad school, finishing high school, what, what friends say. They want an authority in spirituality that can help them get to the next level of life so they can have peace and harmony and prosperity in life that gives them a sense of security when they go to bed at night, or security in a relationship, or security uh, with their work. And that's what a master teacher really does. A master teacher helps you find those three pillars of enlightenment, health, harmony, and prosperity, and use them um, in your growth. And it's really important that when you look for a teacher, it should be somebody who's balanced, it should be somebody who has their own life together, and it should be somebody that you can sit down with and, and like as a person. If those things are there, you've got a good chance to have a good teacher in that sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, uh, we're winding down to the end of the show. I uh, want to tell people a few things that are coming up with uh, <coughs> the Tybo Corporation. We do have uh, a uh, mini workshop coming up on April 19th. It's called The Secrets of Attunement to Higher Consciousness. That should be uh, a wonderful uh, three-hour meeting with individuals who that uh, purchase our, uh, our attunements and uh, have had some experiences, but we're going to give them some secrets as to how they truly work and a better explanation of how they work. We found with the solar videos that that was something that's been needed, a better explanation of some of our more uh, involved products that deserve a better uh, description on how to use them because there are some secrets to it. And that will be on April 19th at our Annex building and it will be from 1 to 4 on April 19th. We are starting to uh, get down to about 30 seats left for the uh, Nephilim Codex workshop that we're going to have in New York. And we're going to present that at the Sheraton LaGuardia East Hotel uh, in Flushing, New York. And it's going to be from 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. We are looking so forward to presenting this particular uh, workshop because we've had so many people ask us questions about what it's like to uh, see different uh, aliens and to know that they exist and to find out the different worlds where they come from, what their lives are like. We're going to go into a lot of detail on several different races and how we communicate with them, how they communicate with humans and uh, really answer those tough questions. Uh, first of all, they want to know do they exist and yes, they do exist. So we're looking forward to having people join us at 8.30 for a uh, buffet breakfast and then we'll be getting started right around 9.30 uh, to start the workshop. So please join us if you haven't signed up for the Secrets of Attunement to Higher Consciousness or for the National Codex that we're going to have in, on May 17th. And I can only reiterate what Kathy was just saying. This is probably one of the most advanced and most evolved of all the workshops we've done. The, we'll talk first about the attunements. The Attunements was probably our the best-selling recording we put out in years. Uh, we even advertised it on the Coast to Coast radio show, and it was the best-selling product we've ever advertised on any medium like that. It allows consciousness to uh, change and evolve with some very evolved sounds that are uh, that I got basically from another planet. And these sounds are like nothing you've ever heard. They have scalar waves inside of them. They have energies that allow consciousness to latch onto them and grow in ways that we just really got fantastic 
uh, reports on them. The people that followed them from the first one up until the last one, the primordium, which is the sound that underlies and sustains the universe itself, really just can't say enough things about what they experience in a good way and how it helped them grow and evolve. And that one codex is something else altogether. I talk about quite a lot of things that happened in my younger life and things that happened when I interacted and interfaced with other races and other beings. And it is entirely true that there are other races out there. The average person believes that we are not alone in the universe. No matter what religion you are, whether you're Christian or whether you're Muslim or uh, whether you're Baha'i, whatever faith you are, most people believe that God created a universe that is big enough to be filled with life, not only human life, but other intelligent life forms. The Nephilim Codex goes over my astral and spiritual travels, and in some cases, real-life travels with beings from other dimensions and other races. It's the type of seminar that I've wanted to give for a long time. And we're going to have a book that comes out about it as well, probably somewhere around that same time. But it's going to discuss the whole concept of the human subconscious mind being a place where alien races interact with us all the time without our knowledge. I was an adult in my 40s before I realized that I was interacting with all these races most of my life without my knowledge. The Nephilim Codex is a discussion of the probable fact that our minds are interfacing with races all the time without us consciously remembering it. And we're going to talk about ways that you can remember, the ways that you can recognize it, possibly which races you're interacting with, and we're going to talk with people during the seminar about, um, intimately about this whole process of being in contact with other beings. We call it the Nephilim Codex because scientists have discovered that part of our human DNA is, in fact, alien DNA. DNA that doesn't, look anything, doesn't do anything that we recognize as a physical human function. And so we'll talk about what are some of the possible functions of that part of our DNA and just look at this whole phenomenon of Nephilim. It's going to be a really great seminar. We decided to do this because we have about 4 million views on YouTube, which in our area is enough to get us to be a YouTube partner status. But over 1 million of our video views have to do with aliens and Nephilim. And so we thought it's a good time to connect with our audience in a unique way, to talk with them about the alien phenomenon, the Nephilim phenomenon, and just go into this whole thing and just not hold back. I think that we are going to have a great time in New York. We always do. Well, we thank you so much for joining us for another uh, episode of The Enlightened Perspective. We look forward to being back with you next week, and we wish you all a great weekend. Now, remember... This is a recording, and so people that called in, you are going to be on the show next week. Uh, so every Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time, we are on the air, and you can hear the show. It's going to be, I think, uh, Bruce said it's going to be on um, iTunes, and it's going to be on some other venues. But also on Thursday, you're going to be able to call in just like you did today, and we really appreciate all the people that called in. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. And this is Mitch and Kathy Gibson with the Enlightened Perspective, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.